Hello, this is Tony Speaks, and this is my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. Follow us on our journey. This week, we have a special episode of Becoming Disciplined. We interview the pastors of Divine Providence Ministries, the Pattersons. Today on Becoming Disciplined, we interview pastors and community activists, David and Tara Patterson. The Patterson, welcome to Becoming Disciplined. We are so honored to have you. Thank you so much. We're honored to be here. Absolutely. Pleasure is all ours. Amen, amen. Now for our audience, we are used to, who are used to my routine and how I ask questions. This podcast will be a little different. This is more of a topical podcast. Today with the Pattersons, we want to talk about the topic of mental health. It's challenging living a disciplined life when you are struggling with mental health issues. It is also challenging to live a disciplined life if you have a loved one who is struggling with mental health issues. Sound mental health is mental discipline. So whether it's from the coronavirus or from our diets or from social media, I believe all of us are noticing an epidemic with the issue of mental health. And I also believe that the statistics back up uh, that, that observation. The Pattersons recently attended a mental health awareness conference. And family, can you all share your experiences from that event? Sure, sure. It was um, a wonderful event that was hosted in the Richmond area. Um, it was a, a group of individuals who were coming together um, just on the topic of removing the stigma on mental health and, and bringing up mental health awareness. Um, there were various vendors. We had um, uh, mental health specialists on tap. Um, and Char and myself were uh, some guest speakers there just sharing our personal experience with um, dealing with loved ones um, and, and, and also just ourselves dealing with mental health challenges. Amen. 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 Now, Sister Tar, what was your observations from the event? Well, I mean, my observation was were, were the, was the same. Um, I think, well, you know, when you take care of the children, right, we had a lot of the blow-up apparatus things where, you know, the kids, you know, came out. So if the kids are taking care of, the parents going to be there, you know, and, and it was a lot of people. Also, what I noticed was People who were just generally at the park that were riding bikes on the trail or walking the trail, they also stopped and paid attention. Yes. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Now, um, how did you all get involved in mental health issues? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that one actually touches close to home uh, for us. Uh, we have a daughter who lives with us. She's 27 years old. She's been diagnosed with um, PTSD as well as um, bipolar disorder. And, you know, we have had the, the privilege of kind of navigating through uh, various challenges at, at different times. Uh, and then also for us, it was a learning experience on how to deal with um, loved ones and, and understanding the fact that it doesn't just affect that individual, it, it affects, you know, the entire family. Amen. 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 Now, uh, while all three of us are technically laypersons, I don't feel like it, though, with what I have to, I've had to go through regarding the field of mental health. We do have a certain set of experiences, both through life and helping people. As you go through trials and tribulations, how do you personally stay mentally healthy? And, and I'd like to hear from both from both perspectives. Sure. Um, I would say for me, it's as I've grown up, right, I've learned to do self-checks, right? Where am I? Why am I feeling this way? You know what I mean? Just being aware of how I'm responding to certain things, how I'm responding physically, right? how I'm feeling emotionally, uh, and then what the environment is about. So self-checks have always been um, part of my 
my routine of doing that. And then when necessary, I go see someone. I go I go talk with a therapist or a counselor. Amen. Amen. And um, I would kind of echo some of those sentiments. I think it's really that self-check of kind of seeing uh, where you are right now. Um, if you find yourself getting anxious at certain times and, and, and noticing just the, the triggers that may, you know, give some telltale signs that you're dealing with some things, um, I think that's important. Also, being able to, like for me, to bounce some ideas off of Tara, like if she, you know, asking her if she noticed any changes and things of that nature. Um, and then also taking, taking some time away where, you know, you can kind of wind down, you know, try to center your thoughts and, and get to a place um, where you are at peace. Amen. 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 Now, um, you know, my own, you know, my own family has had a, a host of mental health issues. Uh, what advice can you give to someone listening right now where uh, they have a family member that is declining in mental health or spiraling out of control? Like if you could write a book this, to, to help the next parents or and, or let's reverse it. Like for me, it was my mother who spiraled out of control. And I went through, you know, we literally, my wife and I went through a version of hell as my wife, I mean, as my mom spiraled out of control. Um, if you could write a book uh, of your experiences on, you know, what, what to do when you love someone and they need help, but they may not understand they need help. What advice would you give? And what would you do different and how can you help? Because there might be someone who's going through that today and it, they're at the beginning of their story. So what advice would you give to that person who's at the beginning of that story with a family member that is starting to, to, to lose, uh, lose reality or, or starting to lose it? What, what advice would you give them? Well, that's a really good question. <clears throat> um, I would say, First and foremost, um, identify that there's an issue. Um, first, you know, do that that check with that individual. And if they're in a place where they're not recognizing it for themselves, then um, begin to have conversations with them to kind of assess exactly where they are. Um, and then if, if they're in a place where they're still comprehending and understanding and receiving, then you can just share some of your observations of what you're noticing. Um, and at that point, you know, see if they can, you know, if they agree with you on that. And then also depending on, you know, how, how far along it is, see if they are willing to seek help. Um, and then, you know, just as family members um, that's, that's in the household, uh, support you know, as much as possible. Um, be willing to, you know, let them know that, hey, you, you're in it with them uh, to, to seek out that help and, and to, to reach out, you know, even if it's a thing where they, they may say, well, could you help me with this? You know, are you willing to make some calls with them? Are you willing to sit down with them to, you know, maybe get on the computer, look up, you know, some of the information, look at, you know, people that you can call hotlines and things of that nature. It all depends on the the place that that individual is at. Amen. Amen. If there's already a diagnosis, it's great to uh, be educated, right? Yes. Get educated on what that is. And we know like most things, it affects people differently, right? But understanding one, the history of that person and how it has affected them, that, and then you being educated, that gives you that, that step to where, okay, I know who I need to reach out to. And then you as the caregiver, you have to be, we, we can't give off of, out of an empty basket, mm -hmm. right? So we have to fill our basket, you know, with that time. You know, for us, we're believers, right? So, you know, we, we go to God, we pray, uh, we study his word. Uh, we, we have you, you know, that we can uh, go to for 
counseling, you and Kim, you know what I mean? Y'all, you guys support us. Um, and then every every caregiver needs that support. Absolutely. A support system for themselves, and then they support the person, their loved ones. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Now, what can the church do better regarding mental health issues? Where is the church failing at, in, in this particular yeah. area? I think uh, where the church is failing is um, addressing mental health, acknowledging, acknowledging mental health, um, even putting out there that everyone deals with mental health struggles at some point or another. So I think for the church, it's it's always been almost a, a taboo topic where it, it's not discussed at all. Um, and I think in the church of all places, that that needs to be a safe place where these issues are brought forth in the forefront and, and, and making people aware of mental health challenges that people may face and also putting out there the importance of getting the help necessary to, to heal from those situations, you know, uh, whether that is seeing a doctor, seeing a psychiatrist, seeing a psychologist, um, seeing a therapist on a regular basis, even medication if necessary. Um, but I think the church needs to be more proactive in you know, getting the word out about mental health and also removing the stigma associated with mental illness. Amen, amen. Any other thoughts on that, Tara? Um, I would, I would agree with him. I mean, we, we, we have this conversation a lot. I think being in ministry as well, um, pastors go through issues and challenges, right? There's a great burden on pastors. You know, you're not just caring for your own natural family, right? You're caring for families within the ministry. Amen. So that's a, a burden. That's a that's a lot on someone. And we had a, a pastor who came over to us yesterday at the event and he said, like, I have I'm having a hard time with distinguishing between what is normal and then what is abnormal. And I, you know, my response to him was, Well, what is normal to you may not be normal to someone else. Right? right? It may be the worst thing that they've ever experienced in their life. Depending upon our experiences growing up and what we had to go through, sometimes we, we, we've dealt with things or learned to deal with things differently, right. right? If they haven't had that that education, that skill-building experience, then it means it, it's devastating to them. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now, what role does systematic racism play with mental health issues today? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, that it plays a significant role. It plays a significant role. Um, one, it's sometimes if racism is allowed to take over, there are some people who may not provide certain resources to you know someone that is being discriminated against because of the color of their skin. I think with some systems that have been put in place um, that does hinder some people from getting the proper help and proper care that they need. You know, uh, an example of that is in a situation where uh, uh, maybe, maybe a crime has occurred and it's clearly associated with a mental health issue. But yet, you just deal with this individual as a criminal, putting them into a, a, a lockup facility, general population, and never really treating the issue. Whereas instead of being quick to put that individual in a jail, you may want to take them to a mental health facility to, to get the help and assessment that they need in order to improve. I think sometimes, you know. The systematic racism could automatically lump a, a particular people group into the jail route versus into hospitalization to get proper help and care. Your thoughts, Tom? 
and uh, you know it goes back over 400 years mm. you know um and and that's affecting um many cultures the indigenous people of of this country right um the those who were put into slavery you know uh they lived in trauma mm. You know, their daily lives were trauma. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that has, you know, gone on and on throughout generations where you take, for example, an African-American community. It was, you know, you got to make sure your children are acting right. So, you know, you beat them. Right. You know, it, it's it's better for me to beat you out of love than you to get that whip on your back. Amen. 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 Right. Um, and so I think though that thing has has carried on, and so it is in there's a superior race over you know you when you when when you look to see yourself or look for yourself in movies or uh, in posters or in books, right? They describe you as something derogatory. So how can you mentally, you know, see yourself? clearly or as a positive person or as a beautiful person, you're constantly fighting yourself, fighting those around you. Uh, and even fighting systems. And, and you know. even fighting systems, you know, where it, you can't help but have that mental issue that, that happens, you know, it, it just sets in. It's, and especially when, like I said, those experiences we've learned is really being traumatized. We've learned to push it aside or push it down or you know get over it to some degree um yeah and so it just comes out in other ways that's awesome that's, i mean that's the profound profound i'm glad sister tara mentioned the beating because i now sometimes the question deserves some context you know mm -hmm. uh growing up you know my dad was older mom was caucasian so yeah i would get slapped every now and then you know and and I might, you know, mom would get emotional sometimes, pull my hair, slap me in the face or whatever else, which wasn't the greatest type of parenting itself. But they were both uh, a little too older or too going through different things, too undisciplined to really uh, mm -hmm. to, to really beat a brother like I should have been beaten in some instances. But they left me and I'm going to change the name of the babysitter. I'm going to change the name to, because uh, I don't want to get sued. Um mm -hmm. Uh, what's the, what's the good name? They left me with Miss Johnson, all right, because uh, her, her name really stands out. So I don't, I definitely don't. She has a very unique name, the the, the real person. Uh, and they left me with Miss Johnson, and you know, Miss Johnson, uh, I was not behaving or whatever else. And Miss Johnson quickly said, "Hey, Tony, go get that switch off the, uh, the <laughs> off the fence, right?" And uh, and you know, I kind of stalled, and I was like, "Well, you, you know, you ain't gonna, you know." I, I kind of stalled or whatever, and my parents got there just in time, right, right before I was about to get it, you know. But Miss Johnson, I realized that she had like a form of discipline where uh, literally one time, you know, she had three kids, right? So she had a, like a fourteen-year-old daughter. She had like a she had like a, a nine-year-old son, and then had like a six-year-old uh, son, and literally the the middle child was going to get the beating and she had the whole family running after the little child to hold him like running down the street one time, like, like about to lay some wood, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I just, I didn't think anything of it. I just, you know, like that's, that's just, I was, I thought that's how Miss Johnson rolled. Right. And then as I got older and then I began to read like some of the slave narratives and everything about like some of the beatings that would take place within that, within that, uh, that atmosphere, I realized like, oh, wow, is, is there a connect? And then my mentor, just to give you some more to this context, when he would describe in sermons some of the beatings that he took, it was like a different thing that I grew up with. Like he got, like his beatings were like events. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, it sounded like it was like 30 minutes of like him like being bloodied and battered and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. And the reason why I'm sharing that is me and Tara, you know, I posted something online and it was about a woman getting a switch, you know, and then I and I and I put down it's about to go down, right? And then, you know, a lot of us was joking about because we had that shared experience. But I get there was a brother who made a, he made a good observation 
I don't necessarily agree with all of his observation. He said, unpopular opinion, this was passed down from slavery, you know, and, and he, you know, and so then that created a discussion and it got me to thinking, you know, all beatings aren't necessarily equal. You know, uh, the Bible does say spare the rod and spoil the child. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I guess my question is how, as, as pastors, how do we encourage proper discipline that, that's in line with the scripture without creating another mental health issue or other traumas that could take place? And how do we stop, uh, how do we stop the bad habit of passing down unnecessary traumas? Because there's a difference between a spanking and and a beating. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I, but I think sometimes some folks don't realize that difference because of their own experience. Right. So I, I know that's all very loaded, but I didn't want to just ask the question without any context. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because every question got some context. And uh, what, what are y'all's thoughts on that when it comes to, to discipline and passing on trauma and, and, and potentially maybe, you know, sometimes we could be creating... I, just so y'all know, I even worry about it with my two daughters. You know, I worry about, I want to make them disciplined. I want to get them ready for the world. But I don't want to go so far that, you know, Courtney writes a book about a brother one day. You saw what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be in the Lifetime. I don't want to be in the Lifetime movie where they treat me like Joe Jackson. You saw what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, I want to be on the Richard Williams tip. You know, like, look like Richard Williams. He's going to get the good movie. You know what I'm saying? So I guess my point to you all is how, what, what advice do y'all have for a brother like myself? How do I stay off the Lifetime movie? What, what are your... <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, brother, thank you for the context that you, you gave. Uh, it was really good. Um, really, when we look at advice that we can give, a lot of times we talk about like how we wanted to raise our children different than the way we were raised. And so oftentimes that wanting to raise them different is mostly material. We want them to have a better life than what we did. And 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 we want to give them the material things that we, we weren't able to get coming up. But we kind of lack on the foundational things that are most important. Like, you know, for us as believers, having them to understand the relationship of, uh, with Christ, you know. Also, us as parents, um, understanding some of those experiences of beatings or discipline that we received, um, how that affected us then and, and even affected us now into adulthood, and how can we do it better with our kids? Um, how can we do it better without um, demeaning them and making them feel worthless? How can we do it where we're disciplining them, not out of discipline, I mean, not out of anger, but we are disciplining them out of love and, and truly, you know, being mindful of the tactics that we're using and what we're, you know, calling discipline. So I think it, it does require us to, you know, still have that mentality of wanting them to have better but it, it has to be broader. It has to be more than just material things. It has to be in also the way we discipline them and the way that we give them foundational truths and the way we have, you know, that, that sound conversation and setting up an environment where they feel comfortable with opening up with us and, and sharing with us. Yeah. Um, I think says all like we we you know, our children are grown now, so I tell a lot of people, we, we've made enough mistakes as parents <laughs> for everybody. We've made enough mistakes as parents for you guys, right? Yes, yes. Um, we went through the, okay, we don't want to be like our parents, but then we were like them, mm -hmm. right? We were spanking them, whipping them out of anger, you know, just being frustrated, right? Um, and then it, it came a point where, hold on, we can't do this out of anger. Right. 
because that's not showing them that we love them, right? right? That's not, they're not getting the point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, we don't want you to do this because, right? Explaining what that thing is and why it's necessary for you to get this discipline. Right. And then um, our son, he was in elementary school and this was, a, I wouldn't, we, we stopped whipping him out of anger. We would take a few moments cool down and come, you get the little action, you get the conversation. And then one day he said, why do you do this? It only hurts me. Oh, wow. It's not going to change my behavior. Mm. Wow. And so I was like, well, I will never whip you again. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my energy or my time. But we need to talk about what's going to be a, what, what discipline is going to work for you. Right. Right. So since he was, you know, and I did put, I put it on him because he, how mature was it for him to say, this is not working for me. <laughs> you know, it hurts, but it doesn't change my behavior, right. you right. know? Right. And so I'm like, oh, well, okay. So what discipline will change your behavior? What will work for you? Wow, yeah. I can see little David saying that too. Amen. Yeah. Oh no, he said it. He was there. Yeah. And I do want to share one other thing. It was a a brother that you interviewed uh, some time ago, and you posed a question because he grew up without a father, and you were saying if if you could speak to his younger self or just a young man that's about to have a, a child, um, what advice would you give him? And that brother said, be the father that you wish you had. Yeah. So I, I also will include in, you know, how we raise and discipline our children. Um, advice we would give to others is also discipline them the way you wish you were. And I'm I'm talking about for those who are being realistic, not, you know, right. I, I just didn't want to have any discipline at all. No, no, I'm talking about you know, understanding the importance of discipline and, you know, treat your child the way you would want to be treated and being disciplined about something that you've done wrong. The next one minute and 33 seconds will be reserved for a commercial advertisement. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is in your time zone. At least on my time, it's it's after church, and I don't know about you. Sometimes after church, I'm just lacking energy. Courtney, yes. Can you get me? Can you get me a uh, one of the vitamins that your mama takes? Here you go, Daddy. Mm. Let me try one of these. Tastes pretty good. My God, my God, Kim! What do you have in there? It's made with vitamins B9 and B12. It's it's great for my overall health. It's made with pectin, a unique fiber in fruit peels. It's simple and delicious. Kim, did you know that more people search apple cider vinegar in the U.S. than tea? Google has 15,000 people searching that word every day in the U.S. alone. Kim, how can more people get this gummy? If you want to support the podcast, or if you're looking to improve your health, you can order these gummies at https forward slash forward slash go.goalie.com forward slash becoming discipline. Don't forget to use our promo code becoming discipline. You know, so I think, you know, taking a look at it like that would kind of help someone approach the way they look at discipline because discipline is important you know it, it's important because it's it's setting boundaries it's, it's letting you know your children know you care and you care enough to not allow them to do anything that ultimately could hurt them and for for david what worked for him we ended up finding um, a therapist and he had a program that he had it was, it was called the obey or pay system where, you know, children start out with an allowance. 
His was, okay, you have chores to do, your homework to do. We we all we worked it out. We worked with David to come up with this list of things and responsibilities uh, and what the consequences were going right, to be. Right. So if he did not do those things, there was a, a, a money value that was associated with it. Right. So it would deduct from his, okay, we're going to do $20 a week, right? So this week you have your chores to do this, then the other. If this doesn't get done, it costs you this. That money comes back to right. us. If you were disrespectful or, or whatever, you know, the, those guidelines were set up, you know, he was well aware of the parameters in which we, he could operate in. And if, you know, he, you know, crossed the line, then he had a consequence to pay. And I think for that system, it helped him understand there were consequences to his actions, good or bad. You know, if he did what he was supposed to do, then he gets most of his money. At the end of the week, if he didn't, you know, he he's getting some deducted, you know. So I think that really helped the man out, and we really wish that we actually had that in place for the girls, for the girls you know, uh, because that would have been a good way of them understanding there's consequences to their actions. Amen, amen, hey, and and I know while y'all, you know, while I'm interviewing y'all, um, I do feel led to share with our audience. Um, my wife and I, like a year ago or two years ago, we switched to uh, instead of touching them up, you know, like the, <laughs> instead of touching them up, we switched to uh, mandatory exercises. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of like in the military when they make you do push-ups, you know, we have this thing. I won't call it what we normally call it because it, it, would, it would be too much of a harsh word for our audience. But uh, we have them go into the chair. And then they, you know, they have to put their back in the wall and they have to have their arms forward and they have to be in a squatting position. And, you know, we make them do other, in a sense, uh, in addition, at least with my family, obesity runs in the family. Having them do exercise is a good way to kind of, uh, uh, you know, getting them to get physical every time they do something wrong. So that's just another thought. And, and I'll say this with our audience, uh, maybe six weeks ago, I thought that they were doing something wrong and I jumped to the wrong conclusions and I put them in the chair. And then I found out later I was wrong that I had, I had observed the situation wrongfully. And I was thinking, man, if I had spanked them, I can't take the spanking back. You see what I'm saying? But putting them in the chair, it's, it's, you know, like there's not as much repercussions or trauma when you just put them in the chair compared to, Touching them up, so you know, yes, it's Did you go in the chair? Uh, <laughs> I, I have told them under certain circumstances that I could go in the chair, amen. And uh, and I joked, <laughs> and I joked that mama I, that I could put mama in the chair too, and they was like, oh, "You go in the chair, <laughs> amen." But that was just a joke. Uh, I'm mama going in the chair anytime soon. Uh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> But uh, now, what book outside of the Bible has helped you, you know, as you have ministered to others with mental health issues and as you have had to spend long nights, you know, waiting in rooms and having to travel long distances and everything? What book outside the Bible has helped you deal with the issue of mental health? Have you read any good books out there that was a blessing outside of the Bible? Um, actually, we are. <laughs> In the process of reading um, this book, Boundaries, um, by, uh, I think, uh, Tenson and, and um, Cloud, Cloud and Tenson, Townsend. Um, and that was a, a book, really, I was intrigued by. Anyway, I already heard about it before, but an important aspect of caregivers who have loved ones that's, that deals with mental health challenges is uh, we have to set boundaries in, you know, caring for our loved one. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, this book was speaking to, you know, some of those, those things that we were already putting in, into place. So a lot of like our experiences were coming from, you know, on-the-job training, also just um, connecting with other resources, um, going online, looking up information, um, and hearing other people's um, testimonies about it. Um, 
Sister Taraji actually has a, a program a podcast of sorts dealing with mental health challenges, having various guests. She shared a lot of her own personal experience with uh, mental health challenges. So um, I think the combination of all of that has helped us in, you know, oh, and as well as Todd's school, uh, <laughs> because actually she's in school for psychology and uh, Christian counseling. So um, that has been extremely helpful for us um, in this journey. Amen, amen. And for um, for our, uh, our listeners of other cultures, I think you're talking about Taraji Henson, right? That's okay. All right. <laughs> Just double check it. Not everybody knows. Not everybody knows. Amen. You're right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, no problem. No problem. Now, uh, Boundaries for Pastor Dave, is that the same book for you, uh, Sister Tara? Or is there another book that you the book? Uh-huh. Oh, or yes. any book. Okay. Well, well, textbooks for me, like at the time, right, that we were going through it. But uh, the, the series that Taraji P. Henson was. Mm-hmm. Was putting was doing um, actually helped a lot, right? During that time, because she talked about her personal issues, but she also invited other people on to talk about their personal um, lives and trials and issues, and 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 amazingly, so this is how God works. It would be a topic that I've seen, or you know, something that I, I've seen with her. I've studied in class. And then we had an issue with our daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. And it really helped us uh, parent in a different way. Because, well, one, she's an adult, but but meet her really where she was. Amen. Amen. And get that understanding of, okay, because some people say, I wish someone had spoken to me in this way. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the support. Right. I wish that I felt okay. With, I wish that I could own it and people could help me with that. Um, so it really helped a lot. Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. I look forward to you joining the mental health the mental health professional field, Sister Tara. We need it. And I, I can see the calling. I can see the calling. Y'all are always helping people on your phones and, mm-hmm. and being a blessing to so many people that call you and need your help. I can, I can see that anointing on you. Now, is there a passage inside the Bible that has been especially helpful to you as you've dealt with mental health issues? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, you know, man, one of one of my favorites and, and one that probably the first scripture um, that I ever memorized, which is uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Yeah. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So I think for us, that has kind of been a scripture that we've been living by. Um, so as we face various challenges uh, concerning mental health, having that scripture to, to as an anchor for us to hold on to, uh, for us to always refer back to, I think that has been a blessing for us, not only just dealing with, um, mental health, but also just life in general. Right. Amen. 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 Uh, now, uh, you all gave some uh, you gave some big ups to Taraji's podcast, but you got your own podcast. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Can y'all tell us about your podcast and and its theme and uh, the name of it, where we can find it, and sure. tell us tell us about it. And how did it get started? <laughs> Well, wow. How how did it get started? I will say um, George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, um, uh, COVID-19, you know, civil unrest. unrest. Our, Our lives were shaken up in 2020, right? It was so much that was going on. And so many conversations that were not being had. Mm. And God blessed me with, you know, this channel of having conversations, having the uncomfortable conversations, um, having conversations that we, we didn't talk about. So last year we were talking about mental health, right? We were we were talking about how we were being affected. 
when no one else really was talking about that because we were being affected, right? right? Um, and so the, the name of the podcast is Chats of the Heart. Uh, and we are on Facebook. You can find us at uh, on Facebook at Chats of the Heart. And, and, I, and I, I would say also, it was birthed out of a need to have these difficult conversations um, that a lot of the mainstream media really wasn't talking about. And, and also, we wanted to um, have a, a, a safe place where yeah. people can come and we have these conversations, you know, discuss topics that, you know, usually are, are heavy in nature. And, and sometimes, you know, people may get offended and, and things of that nature, but I, it was necessary for us, you know, because it was a burden, you know, a burden that was really kind of put on our heart to, you know, really have these conversations, uh, reach out to people who doesn't necessarily look like we look and talk about, because initially it started off with, um, race in America, dealing with, you know, the, the ugliness of racism, um, dealing with biases and, and things of that nature. And then it, it just really began to, you know, morph into, you know, dealing with uh, mental health challenges, you know, just mental health in general, you know, the importance of mental health. And then, you know, it, it kind of even, you know, bloomed into just dealing with various topics, you know, uh, of interest. So um, that has been a, a really good outlet for us as well as a tool that, you know, we've seen um, to be able to make an impact into the lives of others who are also dealing with a lot of these same issues, you know, dealing with the injustice that we see here in America, dealing with mental health challenges that we are faced with especially in this COVID world, man. I, I look at, you know, some of the statistics, I don't have them like right off hand, but, you know, just since COVID, um, you have cases of depression, you know, increasing tremendously. You have cases of, of, of domestic violence increasing, you know, dramatically. You have cases of suicide and things of, of that nature increasing since, you know, the, the end of 2019. So, um, you know, these, you know, topics like, like you're, you're talking today is, is vital, you know. So, you know, these are also the topics that we have had on Chats of the Heart. So um, thank you, brother, for asking about, you know, asking about that vehicle. I would also like to say that this month is um, uh, Suicide Awareness Month. So check on your family, check on your friends, check on people you haven't heard from in a while. Check on your strong friends. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check on those who, who carry the burdens for other people. Right. Right? right. Check on them and make sure that they, they're okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Amen. 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 Now, what you, uh, is there any big takeaway that you've learned from Chats in the Heart if you talk to all of those uh, different types of people? Is there, is there like a big takeaway where it was like, oh, wow, like I didn't know that going in, that, um, you know, like is there any big epiphanies or any any big things that you kind of like had a uh, an eye-opening moment when you've been talking to? Because I, I, I don't always get to listen to every full interview, but I see that you have a diverse group of people you talk to. So out of that diverse group of people, any big takeaways or any big moments you'd like to highlight where you were like, oh, wow, I'm so glad I had this podcast. I'm, I'm so glad I had this conversation. I never thought of it that way. Or I never looked at that issue that way. Mm. So many. Yeah, um, that's, wow. that's, that's really good. You know, that's from, good. from uh, um, young adults, right, all the way up to, you know, um, 51, right? Mm. Like, we share more things in common than not, right? We always want to say these millennials, you know, they this, that, and the other, right? But they, they, they share a lot of things that we should, they process things a, a lot of way in the way that we process things, right? They, they've experienced some things and their experiences may be a little different, but that process and how it affects them, you know, we can't say that we can't relate. Right, we, we can relate. Uh, we've had um, a representative from the uh, 
Latinx community. Um, we've had Asian American, we had Caucasian, we, you know what I mean? We, we've had a uh, variety, like you said, we've had this opportunity that we've been blessed with just for us to understand that we're more alike. Than we are, right, exactly. And I think like some of the big takeaways for me, and I would agree with, with Char 100%, um, just in, in all the diversity, the commonality that we found. Um, I think with some of the guests, um, their willingness to yeah. open up concerning some of the topics, uh, concerning um, racism. Mm -hmm. You know, we had our, our good friend, Patrick Harris from Texas, and, and you had an opportunity to meet with mm -hmm. him as well. And he he grew up in a, you know, kind of a, a, a very white culture where not a whole lot of interaction with black people. And for most of his life until adulthood, he didn't realize uh, Juneteenth actually took place in his own state, wow. you know. Wow. Um, and, but he opened up about that. And then also, he's one that will go do the research. And, and he's providing information that even some, some, some black people, he's providing, you know, information about our history that, that, you know, some black people don't even know. So, you know, it was, it was beautiful engaging with, you know, people like him, him as well as others. Like, you know, we, we, we had a, a sister from the Asian community and she kind of shared the, the, the plight of her parents, where she she grew up straight American, um, but her parents always knew that, you know, they're here in America for a better opportunity. But he knew, you know, her, her father kind of set her down one time to say, hey, you would never be looked at necessarily as American per se. You know, yes, you, you are an American citizen, but people see your heritage more so than who your nationality now, you know. So it was conversations such as that that just really, you know, stuck out to me and, and just understanding and, and, and me understanding the heart of her father because he wasn't doing it to be cruel to kind of crush her world. He was doing it out of love, you know, to say, hey, don't be fooled by this Disneyland that people call America. You know, it's some ugly things here. And you know you need to be aware. So I think you know some of those conversations were were you know really really eye openers for us, and it just kind of gave us a better perspective of understanding you know cultures and differences and the beauty of those differences and coming together. Amen, amen. I was jealous of Patrick because I thought I was I thought I thought I was y'all's best light skinned friend. Amen. Oh, so, Y'all had, had another light skin uh, brother that was y'all's friend. No, you're, you're a whole different category, brother. You, you have been a return guest, you know, on, on our podcast, and we so appreciate you, man, on the real. Um, I, I can't I can't say it enough, really. No, nah, I was just trying to be funny, man. I was trying to be funny. <laughs> you know, uh, now, as we close down, we want to talk about where do you all pastor at? Uh, and what is the name of your ministry? And then how can people connect with your ministry? Because I know there's going to be people in the Richmond area and they're going to be like, oh, wow, that was refreshing. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> how can I connect with that couple in the Richmond area? Can you uh, let us know about your ministry and let us know where we can find you? Sure, sure, sure. Um, the name of our ministry is Divine Providence Ministries. And we are online um, at Divine Providence Ministries on Facebook. Um, we currently right now are holding our services virtually with all that's going on with the, the pandemic. Um, we have been meeting um, prior to at Cambridge Baptist Church in Short Pump area and in Richmond. So um, we, we still connect with them. Um, but it's just right now with the pandemic, we've pretty much been doing virtual services. So you know, you can, you know, reach us at, you know, Divine Providence Ministries 
on Facebook. Um, you can message us and we will definitely get back with you um, yeah. regarding uh, whether it's speaking engagements or just, you know, coming to be a part of the, the, the ministry or it's prayer. Uh, we, we'd be more than happy to pray, to, to talk with you. And um, if you're going through anything, any challenges or, or, or whatever, um, feel free to reach out to us. Amen. Well, David Tarr, we can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. Matter of fact, just so y'all know, David Tarr have had a full day and they're going on vacation tomorrow. Amen. So, you know, we just want to thank them because uh, they look like they're still glowing. They still got the countenance, but they're dead tired. Amen. And uh, so I just want to thank them both for coming on. Uh, we appreciate you. You have the last word. Just so you know, our audience is 30 to 55 year olds typically, and they're trying to get better. I lovingly call them the Get Better Club. And do you have any last words or closing thoughts for our audience? Sure. Um, first of all, we want to thank you sincerely for inviting us onto the podcast. Um, man, we are excited to, to be a part of this and, and heads off to you for um, your diligence and providing, you know, quality media out there. So we thank you. Um, as far as last words, I would just like to just put out there um, that everybody deals with mental health challenges at some point or another. Um, and it's time for us to remove that stigma, you know, recognize the telltale signs when you need help and understanding that asking for help isn't weakness, it's actually strength. Um, so we would just encourage anyone, if you have loved ones who are struggling, or if you yourself find yourself, you know, in a place where you kind of isolated, pulled back from everyone else, don't be afraid to seek help. Um, understand that you're not alone in this. There, there are people out here who care. There are resources out here um, available. And, and, and it's never a, a really a sign of weakness to ask for help. Amen. And I would also add to that, which is great. Thank you. Um, I would also add to that, um, you are more than enough. Mm. Right? With that, not just the cliche of you're more than enough. That doesn't make you a perfect person. That doesn't mean that you won't go through things. But it does mean that you can be rest assured that you are where you need to be. And then you should reach out for help if necessary. Another thing is we don't take time to breathe. We don't take time to truly inhale through our, our nose and exhale through our mouths to take that deep breath to fill our lungs and belly with air, with oxygen. A lot of times we are shallow breathing, especially when we're in a crisis moment or anxious moment. But that's when it's necessary for you to take a deep breath, maybe several. So I would just say, it's great. Thank you both. If you enjoyed David and Tara Patterson as much as we did, please check them out at Chats of the Heart, their podcast, and Divine Providence Ministries.